everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome back to episode 24 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and with me, I have a slightly under the weather, Filippo Silva. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Just my throat has been killing me. So today, you guys will definitely be listening less of my voice and more of Pete, essentially. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't worry. It's not COVID. I'm feeling fine. It's just my throat. And I had COVID again, what, two months ago? I'm yeah, you're you're probably fine. Yeah, but yeah, um, well, guys, we have a very exciting episode today. We are in USMNT roster drop week. That's always an exciting week on Twitter and on YouTube and all the places where we talk about soccer. This is the final roster, essentially the warm up camp for the World Cup because there are no games before the World Cup. So this is it, guys, and we have to talk about some things that we want to accomplish or that we think the team needs to accomplish in this camp. There's a lot more uncertainty than I think, you know, a lot of people are willing to admit, especially in certain positions. And it's a very interesting roster because hopefully we'll draw some interesting conclusions from this last roster. So tack, should we just get into what we need to accomplish between now and the end of this camp? Yeah. I also think we need to add one more thing for context here is this world cup, unlike past editions, we won't have much time to prepare before the world cup right? No. So in the past, if I'm not mistaken, national teams would have three weeks together to prepare. They would play two to three friendlies, lots of training sessions. This year, Greg Berhalter is going to call up the World Cup roster on the 9th. If I'm not mistaken, our first game is on the 21st. The team will probably get together around 10 days or less before the World Cup. So we might not have a friendly and we will have roughly, what, a week or so to get ready. With that said, this camp becomes extra important, right, for the final tryouts of a few players and preparation of whatever we need to tweak and be ready as we now know the opponents we're going to face, Iran, Wales, and England in the World Cup. And in this camp, we're going to face Japan, followed by Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because that Japan game is pretty early in the morning compared to USMNT games, which are usually in the evening. Um, but it's being played in Dusseldorf, and it's Japan, so they're having... Uh, you know, the Japanese audience in mind as well. So I think it's pretty early here on the West Coast. But as always, a. M., right? 8 a.m. Yeah. 8 a.m. Not on the West Coast, I think. I think it's 8 a.m. for you. Yeah. That's 5 a.m. for me, uh, which means we'll go live at 4 a.m. It's early time. enough for me already. For you, it's... Oh, it's like a world. It's it's like typical World Cup preparation. It's getting me ready for World Cup mornings. So you're saying so you're saying this camp's not only preparing the national team, but preparing us too. Yes, it's preparing us. That's what first thing to accomplish is teach Pete to get up at three a.m. That's what that's what Greg had in mind when he was yep. working on the schedule. Clearly, <laughs> clearly. So let's dig into this. The first thing. Let's just start at the back. For me, the first thing I think is important to accomplish is figure out who's our number one goalkeeper. And it's less sure than it has been maybe ever going into a World Cup. You know, um, our three candidates right now, I guess there's four candidates. I expect only three of them to be in camp. Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, and either Ethan Horvath or Sean Johnson. 
Uh, interestingly enough, Zach Steffen is back from injury this week. Chris Wilder confirmed that he is available. It doesn't mean he will start because Liam Roberts has been deputizing in his absence and has actually been better than Steffen. So Steffen could go from being the backup goalkeeper at Manchester City to the backup goalkeeper at Middlesbrough, which is quite a fall from grace for Zach Steffen. Do you think Greg still thinks Stefan is his number one? I hope not, right? With the the current performances and, and what you said is quite fascinating, right? It's almost as if Dwight from the office went from assistant to the regional manager in Scranton, <laughs> and then he went to another branch and he's still the assistant of to the regional manager, right? Uh, and he if you don't watch the office, he became Jim's assistant. <laughs> He's assistant, assistant to Jim as a regional salesperson. Yeah. And if you guys don't watch, haven't watched the office, we highly recommend it. And you'll definitely get this joke once you watch it. But I, I right now, Zach Steffen, the situation is not looking good, right? He wasn't looking good for Manchester city goes to Middlesbrough starts, looks shaky. looks like he's benched right now. I don't know, man. Him being in the roster is already kind of iffy right now. Being a starter yeah. even worse. I think even though Matt Turner was far from perfect on Arsenal's debut, he probably should be our starter right now. At least we know he has that shot-stopping ability as long as he's sharp. Yeah. But and speaking I, of which, I think we need to give Matt Turner both of these games. I think at this point, we need to decide who the number one is and just stick with him. And I think especially because Matt Turner's not getting games at Arsenal. I mean, he'll play Europa League, so that's six games total. He's already played one. I think we need to get him as, mon as many minutes as possible between now and Qatar. So unless I they keep canceling games. Yeah, unless... Oh, my God. So, God bless the English. Some old lady dies, and they have to cancel all their games because, you know, For life like can't weeks. go on. For like two it, weeks. Are they canceled this weekend as well? Well, it's still uncertain, but they, they did apparently they did cancel the Europa League match for Arsenal because there's not enough security, apparently, because everyone is all the, I don't know, the police or the special, I don't know. They're all working on the funeral still. I don't know what's wow. going on there, man. Well, no that's disrespect, the English. Um, no disrespect. Our condolences and thoughts and prayers to the family there, but it's just sometimes it seems like we give too much importance to certain pe to certain people, and we're all equal at the end of the day. Um, I just think that that's just my humble opinion on it. Well, plus you can still show respect while life goes on, right? Like you can still play games, have a minute of silence, wear black armbands, you know, maybe do a presentation at halftime honoring her life. There's many ways to show respect without shutting down you know, uh, everyday life, which is what soccer is over there. Um, but yeah, so do you agree? Do you think Matt Turner should start both of those games or do you want to give Ethan Horvath one of the games? I would start Horvath, uh, sorry, I would start Matt Turner both, uh, mostly because of what you said. We need to keep, we need to stick to one. And from what we've seen in the national team so far, Matt Turner has been the best performer. We need to get him sharp. The more games he gets, the sharper he'll be. We know he won't get many games for Arsenal, as you already said. Yeah. So put Matt Turner in, give him in. Also, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not old. Neither are you. But it, I believe in our lifetime because obviously I wasn't watching the U.S. in 1994 when I was like months old. Um, but in my lifetime, this is definitely the, the worst we've been in the goalkeeping position in my lifetime. And yeah. Traditionally, the thing we've been strongest at. Right. I, I have I mean, a I have a I was talking to this guy named Dan too. And and one thing I we noticed when we were talking about this specifically is um 
it seems like it has a little bit to do with the lost generation, right? Because goalkeepers take longer to peak. So you would need 27, 28, 29, 30-year-olds. And we yeah. had that lost generation. They even missed the World Cup. So I, I think that's what's impacting our goalkeeping position. It's still a lost generation. Uh, I think some young goalkeepers will step up eventually. Obviously, Gagasonina being the, the strongest name in the future. But, yeah, it's not looking good. I would probably go with Matt Turner. Get him sharp in this camp. Um, yeah, and also just give the defense. Also needs to know who's behind them, right? Your back line is more settled when they have a settled goalkeeper that they're familiar with. Obviously, they're already familiar with Matt Turner, but just let them play together. What do you think about bringing Gaga Slonina as the third keeper? For me, Matt Turner and Horvath should go. And then that third keeper is between Stefan, Johnson, and Slonina. Well, let's put it this way. The way Zach Stefan is currently playing, I don't even know if he's better than Gaga Slonina. And the second yeah. thing, the second thing is Sean Johnson is also extremely unreliable at times. Um, yeah. So the third goalkeeper is not expected to get any minutes, right? I I we talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember a third goalkeeper playing in the World Cup for I'm not saying just United States, just in general. Anywhere, I don't yeah. I don't remember. So I would be okay as long as Burhalter's made up his mind and said, Matt Turner's my number one, Horvath's my number two. Sure, bring Sonina, get him in camp, get him involved, get that little bit of a World Cup environment experience. Um, I'm okay with that at this point because the way Stefan is playing, you wouldn't want him to play either. So no, <laughs> might as well. I mean, the other, the other argument is, should you just bring the guy who's the best locker room guy? Like Nick Romando, he used to be that guy in 2014. He was a very good keeper. But everybody always talked about him as like being a great guy in the locker room. And as a third goalkeeper, like, should we just bring Roldan as the third goalkeeper? Or Brett Shea. <laughs> Brett Shea. I'm not sure how good a locker room guy he is. I, he might do. He might get arrested in Qatar. Yeah, that would not surprise me. But that, that could be good. That could change the, that could take pressure away from the national team. Yeah, take pressure away from Weston. <laughs> <laughs> No, but for real, maybe Sean, I don't know who's a good locker room guy amongst the goalkeepers. Maybe Zach Steffen is a great locker room guy. And if he goes there as, as one of the three, but he's not the starter, very likely, I think Greg is going to probably play Turner with Steffen on the bench. I don't think he rates Horvath that highly. I think it's possible he won't even bring Horvath and he'll bring Johnson as the third keeper. Yeah, but then we start to talk about a topic that we can only know if Greg comes out and says, who's the locker room guy, right? We're not sure. Yeah, um, we would only be speculating. But yeah, uh, definitely a shaky position for the national team right now, which to our surprise, to be quite honest. To our surprise. All right. Well, so that's what we agree on. Matt Turner needs to start both games and get the minutes. Uh, left back is another very interesting position because not only do we not have depth, really, but Anthony Robinson is injured. So who comes into this roster and who starts at left back is going to be a very interesting debate. I have a feeling that Greg just puts Serginho Dest on the left. That could be an option. I could see him bringing back Sam Vines. Yeah. Antwerp has been doing well this year, this season. His club, they're leading. They won every single game. In Belgium, he's been starting. I watched one game when he faced Brian Reynolds. It's still the same old Sam Vines, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't think he looked... He didn't look bad, obviously. Um, also, the level of the game, he was facing Westerlo, not the best team. But I can see Sam Vines being back. I can see him just putting, you know, Serginho on the right back or maybe trying Joe Scali there again, assuming he's in the roster. But I don't know. I think w the right back position to me personally 
I'm not overly worried about the right back because one player will be Dest. And then preferably the second one would be Joe Scali. But then you still have options like Yedlin and Cannon, which it's not a disaster. Not ideal, but not a disaster. I think for the fullbacks, the main goal has to be to figure out who is the true backup left back in case Robinson is suspended, injured, or just playing like crap. Who is yeah. the backup right now? And you might be right. Maybe he puts Serginho Dest. I mean, all the indications from Burhalter in the past are that Serginho Dest is the backup left back, which is not ideal for lots of reasons that we've talked about before. He's going to cut in onto his right. He's not going to get crosses in off the left. We basically lose our wide uh, options on the left because Pulisic cuts inside and then you've got Serginho Dest cutting inside. So I'm concerned about what that could do to us from uh, ability to get crosses off perspective if, if it's Serginho Dest. But that being said, there aren't many options. I don't think Sam Vines is a World Cup starter. If he has to start, I will be very nervous. You know, George Bellow is just a disaster as well. I mean, not even starting in the two Bundesliga anymore. So there aren't a ton of, of good options. I have always thought that Dwan Jones should get a look. What do you think about John Token? Do you think he brings John Token in? He had another good game on the weekend. I actually like Token a lot. He's been playing very well for the Red Bull New York, the New York Red Bulls. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, still, he the plays more as a wingback for the Red Bulls. Yeah, I don't know how he would react defensively. We've never seen him facing top competition um, defending. A lot of complaining, too, the attitude sometimes. I saw some New York Red Bull fans complaining about that, too, how he whines too much in the game. I still think he has a little bit to mature. He's a very talented player, by the way. I think for the next cycle, he's someone to watch out for, but I wouldn't bring him yet. Um, they want Jones as an option. But overall, I think it's just going to be Jedi Robinson, Dest, or Scally. And I guess Burhalter also thinks of that because he did try Scally on the left back. It didn't go well, but no. he might try it again. We'll see. Speaking of Joe Scally, you think he gets called into this roster? I think so. I think, I think so. so, yeah. I think Greg is reasonable enough to understand that that was one game against a good Uruguayan side, and and Scally's been doing very well in the Bundesliga. I, I think he he understands that, and he'll give him another shot. Now, if Scally doesn't perform in these two games, then it will be somewhat understandable if Greg leaves him out of the World Cup for now. Yeah. So. Did you see that Reggie Cannon was pulled at halftime the Boa Vista game? I did see it. Yep. Yeah, there's some concerns with the other right backs. I know you said it's not a disaster. Uh, there are options there. I'm still a little nervous about both Yedlin and Cannon. Um, so I really hope Joe Scally shows out in this camp. I mean, I'd rather have Scally and Dest uh, than, you know, Dest on the right and Sam Vines on the left, even though I don't like it. Like, there are no answers. There, What's that quote? There are no solutions, just trade-offs. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, probably what I would go with right now would be Dest, Scally, Yedlin. And then Robinson, the four fullbacks that I would bring. Yeah, same. Even though I'm not a big fan of playing a righty on the left, the the other options are not good. And and some people even still mention the name of Jonathan Gomez. Guys, he's playing the third division of Spain. Um, we can't bring him to the World Cup playing in the third division of Spain. Okay. Yeah, he's not ready. He's no. not ready. No. Future option, yes. Next cycle. You know, Caleb Wiley is another one to watch for, see how he does in the next John cycle. Tolkien that you mentioned. John Tolkien is another one. There are options going forward, but for this World Cup, there are no options, only trade-offs. Let's talk about the center backs, Tack. I think the four center backs that come are Long, Zimmerman, Richards, and Cameron Carter-Vickers. I think we have to use, since we know Greg is going to go 4-3-3, right? There's no 
if he goes with a back three, it's probably going to be with Reggie Cannon. So there are other guys that have been discussed. Is Does Tim Ream get a call in? Does James Sands get a call in? Is Eric Palmer Brown still a candidate? Those are really the three outsiders. But as far as what we need to accomplish in this camp, I think we have to figure out who our starting center backs are. Do you think he calls in McKenzie? Possibly. Possibly. But McKenzie has issues of his own. Yeah, You might call him in. He's definitely not a starter. I think what we have to figure out is who are the starters in in Qatar. And to that end, I'd like to start with whoever he thinks the starters are, even if I don't agree with them. If it's Zimmerman and Long, if you think they're the starters, put Zimmerman and Long there. And then we'll get you know, some decent data against two other World Cup teams, Japan and Saudi Arabia. And we'll be able to, you know, lock that, not lock it in, but have a good look at them and see how they do. You know? Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to learn by facing Saudi Arabia, to be honest. No, same. Um, Japan, I watched them play Brazil in June. It was only 1-0. Neymar scored off a PK. But Brazil did completely dominate the game. Uh, I believe, I don't remember Japan even hitting a shot on target. Brazil dominated but they were tough to beat at least so yeah japan's a very technical team they're very technical probably i don't want to say more technical than us at this point because it depends who we play but their 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 whole team has a very strong technical floor so i think that'll be an interesting challenge i think we'll win the physical battle though uh just with our options and especially in midfield but yeah, I just want to see whoever Greg thinks the starting center backs are. I'd love for Chris Richards to get a start next to Zimmerman and see how that goes. Because I think that's right now probably the ideal partnership. Uh, we know Brooks is not going to be there, so we're not even going to talk about it. But if it is Long, if you think Long and Zimmerman are the starters, play them. Start them in both games. Maybe give Richards the second half in one of the games. I don't know, but... Either Greg has to figure, he's either figuring out who his starters are or he already knows. So if you already know who your starters are, just play them, Greg. Yeah, I would also be in for giving Richards a good amount of minutes here because he's not playing much for his club right now, right? Yeah. And regardless of who Greg thinks he's the, if Greg thinks it's Long and Zimmerman, we would assume that Richards is the third option. So you do need him sharp. He might have to play in the World Cup, right? even if he's a backup. So I would want Richards to give him. But yeah, if Greg thinks that Long and Zimmerman are his starters or his guys, I don't agree with that, but it doesn't matter what I think. Play them. Play them. Yeah. They need to build chemistry. They need to get tested, even though I don't think we picked the most challenging opponent, right? No. Uh, I would have liked for us to face tougher opponents at a Uruguay level, right, that we faced. Uh, but yeah, uh, Japan is also no pushover. I do have some question marks of Saudi Arabia. But yeah, if he thinks it's Zimmerman and Long, play them. Uh, and again, once the World Cup comes, we better hope they're sharp, they're playing well, and they don't make mistakes there because they have been very shaky in Major League Soccer this season. Yeah. Zimmerman as well. Zimmerman the past yeah. two seasons in MLS has been amazing there, in the league at least, and even for the national team. But this season, in recent memory, Probably the worst one from Zimmerman in Major League Soccer that I can remember of. Yeah, defensively, he's been very all over the place. The last three games, he's he's had some really big errors that have hurt the team. Doesn't it doesn't it seem like he improved a bit on the ball in MLS, but yes. he got worse. He got worse defending. I don't. Yeah, understand. his passing is definitely better, and that's honestly a huge relief because Greg wants to pass out of the back, so that helps. Um, I still have Zimmerman as a starter if I'm in charge because I just the lack of options. You know, and his record has been good. Uh, the question is for me is, is Zimmerman and Long together? 
But guys, before we continue to go forward, we have uh, two sponsors who are sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to DraftKings. So DraftKings, the NFL's opening week was action-packed and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right. So thank you to DraftKings. We also have another sponsor, Raycon. Raycon's everyday earbuds just for you guys. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of the Tactical Yanks podcast. Yes, Tack. I love the sound of my voice so much. I listen to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Using Raycon earbuds? <laughs> with Well, I have not been using Raycon earbuds, but I just might. Uh, one of the reasons is that I am supposed to use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it, but sometimes I don't charge the battery, and so I just have to use my earphones. The good news is that battery lasts a very long time. All of Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. So it's no wonder that Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Wow, that's almost as many as the Tactical Yanks podcast. Nowhere so, near. <laughs> what? Nowhere near, but we'll get there. We'll get we'll there. get there one day. So, guys, go to buyraycon.com. That's R-A-Y-C-O-N. Go there today and use the code TBPN15. That's one five to get 15% off on your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. All right. Thank you both, DraftKings and Raycon. And we're back now to the midfielders, Pete. Midfielders. I I don't think there's too much that we need to, quote, figure out with the midfielders. Tyler Adams is the starting six. That's very clear. I don't know if there's too much else that we have to worry about at the six position. I do have some questions about the dual eights. Uh, who is Greg going to play there? I think one of the priorities of this camp needs to be try Gio Reyna at the eight. I, I think that's long overdue. I mean, the guy's now back from injury. He's never gotten a chance to play centrally for the U.S., but in moments where he's drifted centrally, despite starting on the wings, he's looked so good. And now that he's back from injury, I think right before the World Cup is, is now the time to give Gio Reyna. We know he can play on the wing, right? He's played on the wing many times for the U.S. So we don't need to figure that out. What we need to figure out is, can he play centrally? And who should he play centrally with? For me, Weston McKinney isn't in the greatest form right now. I mean, Juve isn't in the greatest form, but Weston McKinney is definitely part of that. Do we try Musa and Reyna together in one of those games? And then maybe, uh, you know, Weston and, and Gio together in one of those games? Or do we go with the MMA midfield? What are your thoughts? The problem is we have too many things to test in so little time. We only have 180 minutes, right? And if you want to test something, some different 
combination of players, you don't want to do it for just 15 minutes or 20 minutes. You want to do it at least for a full 45, preferably 60, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I think we already tested the MMA midfield. I don't think we need to test it again. Sure, you can. we can play it again to build chemistry and everything, but we don't need to test it. I do think Giovanni Reina needs to be tested in the midfield. Dortmund seems comfortable playing him there as a 10, as an 8. They seem very yeah. comfortable, so... I think it's time for Greg to do that. And I do think that Greg should maybe try Brendan there once again. Um, so because Tim Weah is still injured, he might not be on this roster. If you play Gio Reyna in midfield, who do you play on the right? Well, then I would probably put Brendan on the right and Pulisic on the left. But you can yeah. also switch Brendan and Reyna a little bit, right? And yeah. test both ways there. Uh, Weah is back in training. Just to update everyone on that. But it doesn't mean he'll be fit for camp. But he is back on training after an ankle injury. Um, the six, we know what Greg's going to do, right? It's Tyler Adams and Acosta's the backup. Yeah. The eights, you have Weston, Musa, Brendan, De La Torre, hopefully Giovanni Reyna. I don't know if Jory Mihailovic will get called in. Um, I think Malik still... Tillman is more likely at this point. Yeah, and then Tillman would be... I don't see him playing Tillman as a central midfielder, though. I, I think but that's Tillman where he played him in the last camp. Played him wide also. Uh, more centrally, more centrally. And this summer when Greg talked about Tillman, he talked about him as an eight because they were asking him about his eights and he checked, he name checked uh, Malik Tillman as, a, as an eight who can really be dangerous. I think he sees him as one of the eights. I don't um, like him as an eight watching him for Rangers. Um, really? I prefer him as an eight. I don't think he's, he's very good. Too, too much, too much. He still, he still tunes out of the game a little bit too much um, to be in that. Yeah, position. but but Tillman's not going to play many minutes at the World Cup if he ends up going. You know what I mean? He's the sixth the sixth central midfielder. I think he'd rather play Acosta at the eight True. than Tillman. True. And Tillman's then you have probably, De La Torre ahead of him as well. Probably a depth piece. And yeah, Roldan is injured, so he definitely won't be in camp. Had um, sports hernia or pubalgia, as they called it. Yeah. <sighs> I think the main goal for the midfield has to be that. Uh, the MMA we already tested. It's really just to try out Giovanni Reyna at the eight. See how yeah. he does. And then maybe try a little bit with Musa and a little bit with Weston. See how yeah. it goes. Uh, and it's still not going to be a lot of minutes for that. But that would be probably my priority for the midfield. Same. And then wingers, I mean, the wide players we know. You have Pulisic, you have Aronson, you have Reyna, you have Wea. Those four we know can play there. I imagine both Ariola and Morris will be in camp. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. I have doubts about Morris. You think so? Yeah, I think so. He's been very bad, to say the least. And there's only so many wingers you can bring, right? Um, I, I like Pulisic will be there. Brendan Aronson will be there. Reyna will be there, right? right. And, and they can all play the wing. Weah, questionable with the injury. Ariola, I think he's a lock for He's Greg. locked. In. Yeah. yeah, he's so going to Is he going to bring five wingers? He might. He uh, might. Yeah. We'll see. I think if he brings Tillman and another midfielder, like if he brings Tillman and Mihailovic, or God forbid, Tillman and Leggett, then I think he only brings four wingers. But if he only brings six midfielders, then I think he might bring a fifth winger. Hmm. Because it's 26 or 27, right? That's what it was suggested. 26 true, or true. He players. could bring maybe even 28 in this roster, right? It's not the World Cup yet. So, yeah, yeah you, you might be right for this camp. Maybe we'll get to see Morris um, in this camp. I don't think he'll make it to the World Cup, though, Jordan Morris. Yeah, especially if Seattle doesn't make the playoffs. It's hard to see Jordan Morris, um, you know, getting – if he doesn't get any minutes past, I think, October 9th 
is the last day of the regular season. He's just been so bad for them, though. That's the thing. He yeah. hasn't played well. No. And there's options ahead of him. But what about this is the interesting one, though, in this podcast. It's the center forwards. Yeah, the um, center forwards. Want me to go through one thing real quick so everyone yeah, can Yeah, go for so it. Andrew Wiebe had an interview with Greg, and he listed six names that are fighting for a spot in the World Cup. So anyone outside of this, there's no reason for us to mention, okay? That was Ricardo Pepe, Jesus Ferreira, Brendan Vasquez, Jordan Pifak, Josh Sargent, and did he mention Haji Wright? He did. Haji Wright. He said Haji Wright. So those are the sticks. So everyone can forget about Jassy Zardes. Probably not going to be back for this cycle or ever, maybe. I think he's going to bring three for this camp. Same. Um, and then there's two questions here. What should be our goal with the center forwards in this camp? I think one of them is I don't think we need to play Jesus anymore. Um, we don't need to test him with the national team anymore, in my opinion. In my opinion, yes. But if you see him as your starter, if Greg sees Jesus as his starter in Qatar, and there's a lot of indications that he does, then don't you think it's an opportunity to test him once again and see if he can score against teams not named Grenada? I would probably test him against Saudi Arabia. That would probably be much more defensive than uh, Japan, which might be Saudi Arabia might be more physical, a little bit more similar to Wales and Iran. While Japan is more of a technical team, not really physically imposing. So I'll test maybe Jesus against Saudi Arabia. Against Japan, it might be a bit of a waste of time. I would I would want to see one how an informed Josh Sargent performs under Greg's system. <clears throat> yeah. I'd like to see that. Uh, because he could just go and be horrible. Um, that's one thing to say. I don't think Greg will bring Jordan Pifak. Um, Taylor Twelman sort of hinted that, right, on Twitter. Yeah. So <laughs> no reason to mention him right now. We, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he does bring Pifak. I mean, yeah. the guy is starting for the leading team of the Bundesliga right now. Two goals, two assists in, in five games. But I don't know. Twelman sort of hinted that Pifak might not be there. And then with that said, I, I would want to see also I, – I don't want to see this one. I really don't care about him in this cycle. I think he's more for the next cycle. But I think Greg will bring Brendan Vasquez for this camp. I think See, I actually think he'll bring Ricardo Pepe. I think I that so. Greg likes Pepe, and fairly so. Pepe has been his most productive striker, honestly, in his tenure for Save the, the job. Um, but the question is, is is now the best time to bring him in, just as he's getting into you know some runs with Groningen? Maybe Greg won't bring him. But he didn't bring him in, in June because he wanted him to you know get ready for the season with Augsburg. We know how that turned out. I think Sargent and Ferreira are going for sure. I think they're in this roster. Um, not necessarily Qatar for Sargent. I think Ferreira's going to Qatar almost no matter what. But I think Sargent and Ferreira are in this roster. And the third one is the question. It's PFOC. I don't think Haji Wright has a shot. I think he name-checked him, but I don't think he's going to bring him. I think it's going to be PFOC, Pepe, or Vasquez. I actually don't think he's going to bring in Vasquez. Because... Yeah. He said once this summer that it's possible for Vasquez to try his way in, but but unlikely. So I think that's just Greg's gentle way of saying it's too late. And I, in, in a way, I agree. I agree with Greg. It's a bit too no, late. I do. I agree also with Greg with that. The only reason I mentioned that I think he'll bring Vasquez is he said Vasquez is going to be in contention for a World Cup spot. He said there's a chance. If there's a chance, he needs to be called in September because Greg's not going to call him for the World Cup without being in camp ever before. 
Yeah. So that's the main thing that I want to say about Vasquez, why I think he'll be in camp. Personally, I would probably bring for this camp Sergeant, Jesus, and Pifak for this Same. camp. Um, but I can see him bringing Pepe too. I can see it. But I think Pepe, we know what Pepe can do. And I think he he can still make it to the World Cup roster. And I hope he does, actually. I actually hope Pepe does. Uh, but I think it's good to leave him in Netherlands a little bit more. Let him stay with the team, train those two weeks. Adapt. But the other side of that coin is he needs reps with the national team again. Like he hasn't been in camp since March. Mm-hmm. So if you want to build familiarity, then the argument is he needs to come in in September. So if that's the case, I think Greg's going to bring in September the three center fours that he wants to bring to the World Cup. He's not going to yeah. bring anyone to really test them. He's going to bring three guys that he believes will be his three for the World Cup. And if that's the case, it's based on Taylor Twelman's hint of no PFOC. It's probably Jesus, Sargent, and, and Pepe. Because yeah. Greg does like Sargent. I know he hasn't called no. up Sargent, but he did persist on Sargent when Sargent wasn't performing for a while. So, and honestly, Sergeant is probably one, maybe the only nine in our pool that can do everything Greg wants from a center forward. Um, I know he thinks Ferreira can do a lot of things. The goal scoring is an issue with Ferreira. Uh, and it might be a thing with Sergeant too, right? Like he's scoring goals in the championship and playing really well, but it may not translate to the national team, right? But uh, Sergeant presses, he's good in the air, he can hold the ball up, he can make late runs, he scores with both feet. He's a force. He's a presence as a lone nine. Um, so I think he does like Sargent, and I think Sargent actually fits Greg's system better than anybody, even better than Ferreira. But Greg doesn't agree with me. I think Greg really likes Ferreira, and let's just hope he can get the finishing down, right? Because there's been a lot of debate on Twitter this week about Jesus Ferreira. And for me, it's like I don't think anybody um, dislikes Ferreira, but the amount of goals that he's missed for the U.S. and even for Dallas, to be fair, makes us question his finishing. And even Greg questioned his finishing this summer. He mentioned it. He said he needs to be better in front of goal. So I think that's why people are are uncertain about Ferreira. Before we close, can we talk about that real quick? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter, especially Twitter, right? Twitter is where you get where crazy town goes loose. And um, we don't have a problem with with Jesus being in the national team. As a matter of fact, he should be in the national team, right? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. The, the Twitter tacticians will bring up that he's outperforming his XG in MLS. For that reason, his finishing is wonderful. And, and look, it is true that he's outperforming his XG, right? But also you got to understand that's not how you analyze the stat. You don't just look at the XG and say it. Just because he's outperforming his XG, it doesn't mean he didn't scuff or miss some easy opportunities that a good center forward, elite center forward, has to convert. And he has. That said, a lot of the times they come at us and call us MLS haters. But a week ago, Greg Berhalter came out. He, he talked about Jesus's finishing over the summer, which is something mm-hmm. I agree with. And a week ago, Greg Berhalter came out and questioned MLS's defending and pressure on the ball, a little bit of intensity, right? Essentially, the defending of MLS, not calling it awful, but a lot of what we're saying, that in MLS, you're given too much time and space, which every time we said that, we were called MLS haters. Yeah. So, again, it's not about being an MLS hater. It's just about being realistic with what the league is. If you want the league to grow, you have to be realistic of where it is the criticism, obviously fair criticism. There are people that just crap on the league for no reason, and that really doesn't help. But but again, 
every time someone criticizes MLS, the the hyper like the, the fans that just have there's like this cult of a fan base that just comes attacking you as if you're not allowed to criticize and you're a hater of the league. And to be quite honest, this is quite noticeable if you're on Twitter. I tweeted about Weston McKinney's poor form on Twitter, and I mean, no one really came after me. They're like, "Yeah, you, nobody called you a Serie A hater." No, they didn't call me anything. Um, it was quite normal. Some people disagreed, but in a respectful way. It's like, hey, I think it's because of the shoulder injury. That's fine. That's fine. But every time there's a criticism on an MLS player, it's your anti-MLS. You hate U.S. soccer. You. It's like you get labeled things, right? It's almost like the current turmoil of politics in this country where if you disagree with someone, you're called every single name in the book. That's yeah. what happens when you criticize MLS when compared to when you criticize a player abroad. Yeah, that doesn't help the league, guys. If you're an MLS fanatic, you're probably not listening to this podcast because it probably hurts, <laughs> hurts you. Probably ears. not big fans of us. You're probably not a big fan of this. Um, but that doesn't help the league, right? I understand that sometimes there's over exaggerated criticism that is just crapping on the league, and that doesn't help. But mentioning problems with the league, just like Greg Berhalter did, come on. We're all grown-ups here. I, I'm assuming they're grown-ups, the ones listening, or at least the ones on Twitter. Get over it. The league's not going to grow if you just keep pretending it is something it's not. Well, also, there's this narrative that the reason people don't want Ferreira as the striker is because he plays in MLS. But that's not true. Remember when Pepe was playing for the exact same team in the exact same league and he was performing for the national team? Everybody was super high on Pepe. Everyone was like, great, make him our starter. He's performing for the U.S., I think the reason people don't, or some people at least, don't necessarily want Ferreira to be our locked-in nine in Qatar is because of how he's performed for the national team, right? He's missed so many chances that he should have finished. And that, that doesn't mean he has been all bad. I like his movement. Some of his hold-up play is very good when he doesn't have a defender on his back and he combines his technical player. I like that about Ferreira. Also good against Grenada. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did miss some chances against Grenada too. He had two point blank chances against Grenada. And that's the issue with Jesus Ferreira is people see him miss these easy chances and say, I don't know how you can call this guy a lock when the only teams he scored against are Panama at home and Grenada away. And then, or no, Grenada at home as well. And then Trinidad and Tobago, you know, a year and a at half home. ago in a friendly at home. Against they're beating. The, they're they're beating. So, He's missed chances against Morocco, against Uruguay, against El Salvador, against Panama, like so many times that it makes people wonder, is should he really be our locked-in nine? Look, if he comes in this camp and scores goals against Japan, against Saudi Arabia, and performs well and doesn't miss those easy chances, I think he'll change a lot of people's mind. But this narrative that the reason people don't like Jesus Ferreira is because he's in MLS is just not true. It's because of what he's done for the national team. Generally, people judge players on their national team performances. If you perform for the national team, I've seen no, but very few, if anybody saying Walker Zimmerman shouldn't be starting for us, right? And he plays in MLS. You know what I mean? So it's it's just, it's a dumb narrative for me. It's based on what he does for the national team. It doesn't matter in some ways what you do in MLS if you don't perform for the national team. Mm -hmm. And I think that concludes this podcast. You want to close it, Pete? Yep. As always, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Do not forget to go give us a rating and review. Uh, you can give us a rating on any platform that you're on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And on Apple, 
you can also leave a review. So they really help us because it, you know, it helps the podcast to get higher ratings or, you know, higher in the, um, the list that they put out every week for, you know, well-rated podcasts. So it really does help if you want to help the podcast to grow, do that for us. Thanks for listening. Thanks as always excited for the USMNT drop this September. It's getting so close now and I can't wait.